You are listening to the Hot Tip Bets Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Hot Tip Bets Podcast. This college basketball edition in the heart of college basketball season. You know, it's getting cold outside for much of the country, um, but college basketball is for sure heating up. So we'll take a look at what has been happening, latest college basketball news, what's what the tournament could possibly be looking like, um, just kind of talk about all that. But before we get into all um, of what is happening in college basketball, let's take a look back at this past week um, and see how some of our picks did. Starting off on Tuesday, recording that podcast, um, we started out, we had two picks for Tuesday. First one we had, we had Austin P taking on Southeast Missouri State. Um, now, Austin P was six-point favorites in this one. Um, and this was a pretty close game for majority of it. Austin P um, had a lead for um, in the second half there going in, but um, ended up getting a close game, ends up going to overtime, and uh, Southeast Missouri State pulls out a win in this one. Eric Reed Jr. puts up a season-high 22 points for SEMO, um, and they just shot the ball better. 48.3% from the field for Southeast Missouri. Um, Austin P 71.4% from the field, so um, lose that one. But we turn it around with the second game on Tuesday uh, with an 18 matchup between Dayton and Rhode Island. Dayton plus three in this game. Rhode Island ends up winning this game 91 to 89. Um, but Rhode I- or but Dayton was able to keep it close. Um, unfortunately for Dayton fans, they didn't get the win, but we did cover the spread there um, by the point there. Jimmy Nuga uh, puts up 29 points and nine rebounds for Dayton in this game. Um, and Dayton just shot the ball pretty good, 44.8 from the field, Rhode Island only 39.5. Um, it is a shame that they didn't didn't get the win, but honestly, <laughs> for betting-wise, it doesn't matter. So, end up going 1-1 one one on Tuesday. Uh, moving into uh, Wednesday, then. Wednesday was a surprisingly big card uh, for a weekday. It was probably our biggest weekday card of the season with five games on it. Um, and it actually had six games on it, but the LSU game... The LSU game was weird. Ended up getting, I think, postponed to Thursday and then just straight up canceled um, because, well, that game just didn't happen. So throw that one out. But we still had five games on Wednesday, and it didn't start out too hot. Started out with, uh, not Illinois, Iona taking on Quinnipiac. Iona five-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. Um, and unfortunately, Rick Pitino couldn't pull through uh, with the Iona Gales in this one. Knippiak ends up winning 74-70, to not covering that spread, nowhere close to that spread. Uh, Tyrese Williams puts up a season high for Knippiak in this game, 21 points for him in that one. And they just did a good job not turning the ball over. Only 17 turnovers, no, sorry, 12 turnovers for Knippiak in this one, uh, while Iona 15 turnovers. So, uh, to start out with a loss there, and we continue with the loss in another game uh, with Kentucky taking on Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was 3.5 point uh, underdogs in this one. Um, and they almost covered, end up losing by four, 82 to 78. Um, and there's some, you know, last second shots, you know, uh, Kentucky hits a couple free throws with about two seconds left and Scotty Pippen Jr. hits a, pulls up a last second three that, you know, would have, um, covered the spread for us and it would have made it a one point game, but ends up missing that shot. So get the loss there. Don't cover the spread with Vanderbilt. You know, Kentucky just shot the ball very good in this one, even though they haven't played not very great this season, you know, 30.8%. From three for Kentucky in this game. Vanderbilt 17.4% from three. So um, start out the day on Wednesday 0-2. But we did turn it around after that. Next game we had on the card. We had Drake minus five and a half versus Northern Iowa. Uh, now Drake ends up winning this game 77-269. Uh, um, and, you know, Drake has... It's, it's weird. It's hard to say a team that has lost two games all season is struggling. 
But Drake, you, you could make an argument that Drake is struggling. Um, you know, they did just come off, you know, a win in this game, obviously, and a win in a cover, um, and then a win or a, a win against Loyola Chicago. But that loss against Loyola Chicago was not a great uh, one. And they just haven't looked like themselves, you know, with um, um, Humphill going out with a broken foot. It just hasn't been um, what Drake's wanted for them themselves in this one. You know, Joseph, but they did, have, they did play a pretty good game here. Joseph Vizo puts up 20 points for Drake. Um, Drake only turned it over three times in this game, Northern Iowa eight times. So I think if Drake really wants a good shot at the tournament, they're going to need more games like this to close out their Missouri Valley, the Missouri Valley schedule. But who knows? We'll probably, you know, it seems most likely that we'll end up seeing Drake and um, Chicago both get bids. So we'll have to wait and see how all that plays out. Um, but we did get the win there with Drake minus five and a half over Northern Iowa. Uh, the next game we had on Wednesday had the Sunflower Showdown between Kansas and Kansas State. Now, Kansas State has been absolutely horrible. Um, this season um, and Kansas I forgot to write down Kansas State score for some reason Kansas State or Kansas forward 49 Kansas State had like 42 or, or 59 Kansas State had like 42 or, or something there whatever it was they easily Kansas easily covered the 12 and a half um, for this game Michaels Garrett puts up 14 points for Kansas in that game um, K-State just shot the ball not great at all 31% from the field while Kansas 45.8 so uh, get the win with Kansas in that one and the final game we had on Wednesday um, was a, a lucky, lucky cover to say the absolute least. Wyoming minus six versus New Mexico. Now, Wyoming ends up winning this game 83 to 74. Um, but even though they won by nine points, it took overtime um, in order to do that. I mean, it's never having a six point spread, um, need an overtime. Never the position you want to be in. But nevertheless, they did get us a pretty lucky win there to close out the day. Marcus Williams, 17 points for Wyoming in this game. Um, and I think the key for Wyoming in this one was just not turning the ball over, staying, holding on to that basketball, only turning it over 10 times when New Mexico turned it over 14. Uh, you know, New Mexico, just without a home this season, uh, is really, really been a struggle for them, I think. And I think that that was a big reason why. Well, they just, they fell apart in overtime in this one. Um, but... Needless to say, end up going three and two for Wednesday's card, taking us to four and three for the week. Um, as far as Thursday's plays go, um, as they're recording this, they have not yet tipped. First game we have, we got Vermont minus one uh, taking on UMBC. Now this game was actually kind of interesting um, because as of recording this, the line has moved from like Vermont minus one almost up to like Vermont minus five. Um, so huge point swing there. Got a got a great <laughs> great line for that game. Um, have to see how that one ends up playing out. They also, this will be a first game of the doubleheader for them and up when we play each other again on Friday. Uh, the second game we got on tonight's card, we got Colorado minus four versus Oregon. So have to wait and see how those two finish out. Um, but if you want to see the results for either of those games, definitely head over to the hot tip, not to, to the, to hot tip um, and check out the results tab there. Be able to see all of that stuff. But, um, so yeah, let's get into some news for the week. Um, not a whole lot, uh, you know, college basketball season definitely in the heart, um, so not a whole lot of other sports getting news for me right now, but one thing that I got to talk about um, before we get back into college basketball is the NFL. Carson Wentz is officially headed to the Indianapolis Colts. He was traded um, from the Eagles to the Colts for a 2021 third round pick and a 2022 um, conditional second round pick. Um, so this one, this trade, I think that's, I think it's a pretty fair trade for Carson Wentz, to be honest. The interesting thing about this, uh, for no fault of the Colts, really, somehow they're ending up with their fourth starting quarterback in four years, um, which is absolutely insane. You know, um, obviously the Andrew Luck retirement put a, a quickly, they needed someone. Um, so Brissett got thrown in for, for that season, you know, and go after Rivers last season. You know, two, two of the reasons why they need to, to go after quarterbacks were because of retirements. So, um, you know, going with their fourth quarterback 
um, in just four years. It'll be interesting to see how Carson wins, how quickly he fits in with the Colts. I think he'll have um, a decently good run with the Colts. I think, you know, the Colts are a few pieces away from being a very good team um, in the AFC. But I have to wait and see. So um, just some news there. Um, but getting back into college basketball, um, some interesting things are happening as far as how tournaments and everything are going to shake out. Um, conference tournaments, that is. Um, we know that the committee has already said, um, as of right now, that the you know, conference tournaments are being played as scheduled, so bids are still going to remain the same for the most part. But two teams that could, could screw some of that up are Gonzaga and BYU, who are currently the one and two teams in the uh, West Coast Conference. Um, now, Gonzaga, fairly enough, has no reason to play in the West Coast Conference Tournament. I mean, the West Coast Conference Tournament, um, unless they, I don't, last year, um, their format was basically Gonzaga had to play two games. Like, they, they got an automatic bid all the way until the final four of their tournament. So, they played that in the, the championship game, um, which they actually lost, by the way. But, <laughs> that's beyond the bat. That's beyond the, the point here. Gonzaga really has no need to play any of those. They're going to be the uh, a one seed, no matter if they play the West Coast Conference Tournament or not. So it doesn't make much sense for them. But BYU, a team that is, isn't really on the bubble, but if they don't play their tournament, I, I, don't, I don't know what the committee is going to do. Because if BYU, who is currently sitting, um, I think Bracket Matrix has them about an eight seed, um, somewhere in that range. So, you know, they're above the bubble for sure. But, you know, if they, both these teams opt out and then we get like St. Mary's or San Francisco or something that wins the West Coast Conference Tournament, I think there's a decent chance that the committee leaves out BYU just because you can't, how can you really justify putting three West Coast Conference teams in? Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that shapes up, even though BYU is deserved of it right now without that West Coast Conference Tournament win or at least appearance. You know, one of these two teams in Dagger BYU has to win this tournament. Um, otherwise, we're going to throw a real wrench in the system. So um, be interesting to see how all that plays out. But one conference that is shaken up very weirdly, very top heavy. Well, two anyway, the Big Ten and the Big 12 are just absolutely insane right now. That's going to be, you know, with we have potentially, you know, five teams out of the Big Ten and five teams out of the Big 12 all in the top 25 for the tournament. So, you know, all all five seeds are higher. It's going to be interesting to see how the committee is able to, you know, to to make those teams not play each other until the end. And it's going to be, you know, we see that with, um, you know, we got Michigan, Ohio State, and uh, uh, Illinois all right in a row, you know, three, four, five right there. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what the committee does as far as seeding some of these teams to try and, you know, because they obviously don't want, you know, Big Ten matchups or Big 12 matchups until they absolutely have to. So um, that'll be very interesting to see how all that shakes up. Um, but we'll get a little bit more answers on how the Big Ten is going to shake up as far as seeding in the tournament. Um, this weekend, we got Michigan taking on Ohio State, the three versus the four. Um, so that'll be a very interesting game to watch. You know, currently, as we stand now, um, they would both be one seeds. Um, but that one, that one will just be fun. But another team, that, another team out of the out of the Big Ten that could make a little bit of noise here or break a little, I don't know, record is the way to call it, set a... <laughs> Do something that's never been done before. Minnesota currently has no road wins on the season. They are 8-0 on the road this season. But if the tournament started today, they'd more than likely be in. They would be the first team in NCAA history to make the tournament with no road wins. Um, and they can easily, that, that could happen. You know, they were near the end of the season. There's a good chance that this Minnesota team loses out on the road. 
and still makes the tournament. So um, just a little bit of news there. Um, one kind of uh, interesting thing that happened over the week in the Kentucky Vandy game kind of made waves in the college basketball space. Um, Kentucky went up for a dunk. Vandy, you know, uh, standing under the basket, arms up, not moving. Well, kind of moving. Anyway, we'll get into that. But <laughs> dunks over him, and they call a charge on it. And it kind of, you know, I'm not, I'm not totally against the charge rule in college basketball. I think it, it, it a couple of years ago, I think we were in a good place with it. Um, but it's just these last two or three years, the charge rule is just getting so out of hand in college basketball. They called charges on like absolutely everything. Um, and I know, um, uh, I can't remember who, one of the guys from the Three Man Weave podcast <laughs> talked about it in the past today and how if they if they changed the call for the charge and it wasn't, you know, such a a, a call, if it was something that they rest didn't want to do, um, <laughs> maybe we'd limit the call, the charges a little bit more. But um, yeah, I don't know how we fix it, but definitely something that needs to be looked at in the offseason for college basketball is just an insane amount of charges being called um, this season. Um, another piece of news in college basketball, Jalen Johnson opts out of the college basketball season. So Duke is down a player. He is declaring her getting, I don't know if he's declared yet, but going, getting ready for the NBA draft, um, this off season. But Duke, I mean, obviously it's, I would say 100% because of Duke's play, awful play this year. Um, but this, you know, could actually be a spark for Duke, um, maybe get him get them to rally around something, get them a few wins, get them something going. But I think this kind of leads into a bigger thing um, surrounding college basketball right now, and that is this week's AP Top 25. If you take the starters from all of those teams, 40 out of those 50 starters were with the same program last season, meaning they are not freshmen or were not transfers, um, which I think is kind of a crazy number. You know, we're generally in the past few years, you know, we're, we're think of, you know, the Cam Reddish and the, the Zion Williamson um, and all those players who are one and done at like Duke and Kentucky and North Carolina. Um, and that's kind of what college basketball, as far as building a winning program, had become there for a while was just go recruit <laughs> recruit the, the best players in the country to come to your program, have them play one year before they go to the NBA, um, and you'd have a good shot at the championship. But I think we're kind of moving away from that. Um, you know, this year with, you know, Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, all teams that are um, on the bubble or not even near the bubble in, in the state of Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky's been off the bubble for I don't know how long. I mean, Kentucky's probably going to miss the NIT if we're being quite honest, which is which is a crazy thing to think for a, a Calipari team like that. But it's it seems more and more as we move on that that is not necessarily the winning strategy for college basketball anymore. You know, just look at the Gonzaga teams. I mean, Gonzaga is a, a slight exception in some cases, but Gonzaga and Baylor, you know, returning a lot of the guys from last year. Um, we see Virginia also doing stuff like that. So I think, it, I think it'll be, it, it'll be interesting as we move on here um, in the next couple of years. And especially depending on, you know, with more players opting to go um, into the D league, um, or I guess the G League straight out of high school, you know, and and do that, or even go play overseas or whatnot. But uh, like Lon or uh, Lamelo did. But I, it'll it'll just be crazy to see how how all of this um, shakes up here in the next few years. I think we're we're getting ready to probably see something happen. I mean, the NBA's got to do something at some point. Um, is is it's really not an NCAA rule. It's more an NBA rule. Um, basically, however they they set up their draft. But um, that's about it for college basketball news for the week. So let's get into some picks for this upcoming weekend. Starting out on February 19th, Friday, February 19th, 
Um, we start with a MAC matchup between Akron and Ball State. Akron comes into this game as three-point favorites. Um, now, Akron has been playing um, pretty good basketball this season. 13-4 and four on the season, Ball State 7-10. and 10. Um, And Akron comes in this one 126th in the hot tip at rankings. Ball State, the 148th ranked team. And one thing that really jumps off the paper um, right away for this Akron team um, is just their shooting. You know, really good from the field with a 53.9 effective field goal percentage. Ball State, 49.4 effective field goal percentage. Um, and that doesn't really stop there as far as Akron shooting. You know, do also doing a good job um, hitting their threes and, you know, getting to the line and making those shots too. You know, uh, 35% from beyond the arc. Ball State, 328 from beyond the arc. And, you know, hitting 75.5% of their free throws. Ball State only hitting 72%. Um, so just really across the board, this Akron team um, is really a very good shooting team. Um, and, and that really just goes to show how good their offense is. 76th in adjusted offensive efficiency. Ball State, 2-16th. And, um, and that, that kind of carries over into some other sets. You know, Akron... Only turned the ball over on 18.2% of their possessions, while Ball State's turned it over on 20.1%. Akron also doing a good job pulling down offensive boards, 29.4% off the offensive glass, while Ball State only 26%. So I really like Akron to cover this three-point spread here um, and get the win for us in that game. Moving on to the next game on Friday's card, we move out west for uh, some Mountain West action between Wyoming and New Mexico. Now, Wyoming comes into this game... Um, as six-point favorites, Wyoming 11-9 and nine on the season, New Mexico 5-12 and 12 on the season. Um, and I was re <clears throat> really hot on this new Wyoming team um, early on in the season. I'm not exactly sure why I stopped betting them, um, but they are, they're, they're having a pretty good season. You know, 199th in um, the hot tip bet rankings, New Mexico 260th. This Wyoming team has a very, very good offense, 86th in adjusted offensive efficiency, while New Mexico 321 in adjusted offensive efficiency. Um, and Wyoming has also just done a very good job not turning the ball over, only turning it over on 13.8% of their possessions, while New Mexico turned it over on 213 But really, if, we're, if it, when it comes down to, you know, the biggest part um, of basketball is scoring and shooting and making points. Um, and that's just something Wyoming's done a great job at. 34.8% from beyond the arc. New Mexico, a very bad 25% from beyond the arc. You know, you're not going to win a whole lot of college basketball games shooting that bad from beyond the arc. Um, and then Wyoming just uh, carries that over across the board. 71.6 um, from the free throw line, 60.1 for New Mexico. Wyoming also effective field goal percentage of 52.5, while New Mexico an effective field goal percentage of 42%. So New Mexico, without a home this season, has kind of struggled um, finding themselves. So like Wyoming, minus six to cover this spread. And the final game for Friday's car, we move back to the MAC. We got Toledo taking on Buffalo. Now Toledo is actually the underdog in this game, um, two at two points there, getting two points. Um, Toledo comes into this game at 17 and six on the season. Um, Buffalo comes into this game at nine and six on the season. So you know, having played um, eight less games of the season, I think that's a, a big reason why this or this Buffalo team is favored over that. You know, definitely a more rested team. Don't have as much of the wear as um, this Toledo team does in the season. But this Toledo team, while they have had a couple of bad losses lately, and for being honest, it seems like every time I bet on them is when they have bad losses. So hopefully that's not another case here. But <laughs> Toledo, Toledo is just, just, I just can't stop betting on this Toledo team because across the board, they're just a better basketball team. You know, they're 17th um, in adjusted offensive efficiency. I mean, that's down a little bit from where they were in the past. They were up in the, the tens, um, 
somewhere, I, I want to say six. That seems high, but I feel like they were six just last week. Um, but this Toledo team is still a very good team. You know, Buffalo 87th in adjusted offensive efficiency. Um, and one thing that really sticks out about this Toledo team is just shooting the ball from free throw or shooting their free throws. 78.2% from the free throw line. Um, you know, 379 from beyond the arc with an effective field percentage of 54.1. Buffalo across the board worse in every category. 34.1 from beyond the arc, a free throw percentage of 65.2, an effective field goal percentage of 51.5. So I do like but or not Buffalo. I do like Toledo. Um, that is plus the two points to take care of business to close out Friday's card. Now moving on to Saturday, we got a pretty action-packed Saturday. A lot of great games. Um, happening in the college basketball world. The first one we got, we got an ACC matchup between Georgia Tech and Miami. Georgia Tech, five-point favorites in this one. Now, this Georgia Tech team was a team that I feel like I overlooked um, a lot in the early season. Definitely overlooked them a lot early in the season. But they have, and, and while they're only 10-8 and eight on the season, they are they are a very good team um, in an ACC that kind of, to be quite honest, stinks this season. You know, Duke and Kentucky, or, yeah, Duke, not Kentucky, Duke and North Carolina um, not playing good basketball. Um, this season, but Miami seven and twelve on the season. Miami does have a couple of impressive wins, but um, haven't haven't been able to put it all together. You know, this Georgia Tech team is just a fun basketball team to watch. You know, um, coming into this game playing very well on both sides of the basketball. Forty fourth in adjusted offensive efficiency, seventy two in adjusted defensive efficiency. Miami one eighty seventh in adjusted offensive efficiency and eighty three in adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, but Georgia Tech has shot the ball very well too. Thirty five point four from beyond the arc. While Miami only hit twenty nine percent. Um, also 73.8 from the free throw line for Georgia Tech, Miami hitting 67.4, um, an effective field goal percentage of 53.1, um, while Miami, uh, an effective field goal percentage of 47.4. So just across the board there, Georgia Tech better shooting team and Georgia Tech's not turning the ball over nearly as much, only 16, 16% of their possessions while Miami turning it over on 18.9% of theirs. So, um, even though this Georgia Tech team comes in as favorites, um, on the road here. I like them to take care of business and cover the spread in that game. Uh, the next game we got on the card, we stay in the ACC. Uh, the ACC has just been, been a conference I've liked betting this season, but we stay in the ACC. We've got Notre Dame taking on Syracuse. Now, Notre Dame is another team that I feel like I've been on a lot this season. Um, there are only 9 and 10 on the season and 67th in the hot tip at rankings. Uh, Syracuse on their hand, 12 and 6 on the season and 34th in the hot tip at rankings. But this Notre Dame team... Um, is not a bad basketball team by any means. You know, 38.1% from the on the arc, doing a very good job um, shooting those threes. Syracuse only 32.5% from the on the arc. Um, and Notre Dame is also just a good basketball shooting team in general. You know, 55.1% effective field goal percentage. Syracuse an effective field goal percentage of 50.4. Um, but kind of what sticks out to me the most about this Notre Dame team, they're just a very good team on offense. 13th in adjusted offensive efficiency. Syracuse not nearly as high. 38th in adjusted offensive efficiency. And I think that really shows by Notre Dame um, their ability to hold on to the basketball, only turn it over on 15.5% of their possessions, while Syracuse is turning it over on 16.4% of theirs. So definitely like Notre Dame um, to cover the spread in that game and get the win there. Next game on the card, got a SoCon matchup between Chattanooga and UNC Greensboro. Chattanooga comes into this game 18-5 and on the season, UNC Greensboro 15-7. and Now Chattanooga... Um, another team is doing a very good job of shooting the basketball, 35.7% from beyond the arc. UNC Greensboro only 28.8% from beyond the arc. Chattanooga also doing a very good job from the free throw line, 79.4%. 
um, from from the charity strike there. UNC Greens were only hitting 68.4%. Chattanooga is just a better shooting team in general. 51% effective field goal percentage, while UNC Greens were an effective field goal percentage um, of 47.7%. Um, and I think this really comes down to Chattanooga just being a better team offensively, you know, and getting points in this game. It's hard not to bet on, you know, 142 and adjusted offensive efficiency, while UNC Greensboro 181 um, and adjusted offensive efficiency. And Chattanooga just not turning it over that much. 15.5% turnover possessions. Um, UNC Greensboro turned it over on 16.5% of theirs. So, like Chattanooga um, with the points there to get the cover. Uh, next game we got on the card is another team. This little card is kind of, honestly, when you get this deep into college basketball, it's, it's a lot of teams that you've bet a lot in the season. Um, but the next game we got on the card, we got Colorado taken on Oregon State. Now, every time I see this Colorado team come up, to bet it's always one that i take a second look at for sure colorado 16 and 6 on the season oregon state 10 and 10 and this colorado team remains the best free throw shooting team in the country 82.4 percent from the free throw line which is just an absolutely insane number you rarely see <laughs> rarely see numbers um that high from a single team oregon state on the other hand only 75.5 percent and i think that is kind of one big reason why colorado has played so well this season but it doesn't really stop there you know it's not just the free throws they've shot the ball well across the board you know 37.5 percent uh, from beyond the arc um oregon state on the other hand 34.7 percent um from three and and colorado's also doing a good job um just shooting shooting the ball in general with an effective available percentage of 53 percent while oregon state an effective available percentage of 47 percent but it's not just on the offensive side of the ball for this Colorado team. You know, they are 12th in adjusted offensive efficiency, but they're not terrible on defense either. 38th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Oregon on Oregon State, on the other hand, 99th in adjusted offensive efficiency, 150th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, and I really just think this Colorado team, honestly, if I had to pick one team um, out of the Pac-12, you know, you got uh, USC and, and whatnot this season. And there are other teams, but Colorado is a team that I I liked at the beginning of the season, and they might not get all the praise um, that some of the other um, guys get in the Pac-12, but they definitely are one of my favorite teams. So, and I definitely like them, even with a bigger spread here, like Colorado to cover in this game. Um, and finally, moving on to the last game for Friday, another team. <laughs> think of that uh, that we uh, have been on quite a few times this season. Moving back to the ACC, I'm definitely an ACC <laughs> hungry card. You know, we've had a lot of those actually. I think I, I don't. It seems like every Saturday I have three ACC games going on. But we got Virginia taking on Duke. Um, Virginia comes into this game at 15 and four on the season, seventh ranked team in the hot to bet rankings. Duke nine and eight on the season, the 16th ranked team in the hot to bet rankings. Um, and Virginia is just a team. You know, think they're thought of. Not thought. I mean, they are thought of. You know, they're they're the defensive team. You know, everyone thinks of de defense of defense when they think of Virginia, but I, that's not necessarily true this season. Um, they come into this game 14th in adjusted offensive efficiency, which is about where you would expect them. But 123rd in adjusted defensive efficiency. That just really doesn't sound like a Virginia stat. At least one not one that we would have thought of. Um, you know, last season when when they won the um won the national championship i guess that was two years ago but duke on the other hand 16th in adjusted offensive efficiency 84th in adjusted defensive efficiency um and virginia is just doing a good job shooting the basketball um 39.8 percent from beyond the arc um a free throw percentage of 78.8 and an effective field goal percentage of 57.4 you know all four, three of those stats um are are you know 
near the top of the of all teams in college basketball. Duke, on the other hand, um, not terrible, but not nearly as good. 35.7% from beyond the arc, a free throw percentage of 70.5, and an effective field goal percentage of 53.4. Virginia, though, um, is just doing a good job not turning the ball over. Only turning it over on 15.4% of their possessions. Um, well, Duke turned it in over on 18.6% of theirs. Um, and I think Tony Bennett just got this team, this Virginia team, hot at the right time. I think Virginia, um, you know, they have had a couple questionable losses this season, sure. But I think, you know, when you're a team like Virginia, who's, you know, in the last two tournaments we've had been a one seed, um, it's kind of just, you know, coasting in to the, the to the tournament. You don't want to get too hot too quick. You know, you get too hot too quick, and then you do something stupid and lose to UMBC. So I think Virginia um, easily covers the spread against a crappy Duke team um, to close out Saturday's card. Moving on to Sunday, um, we start out, we got Albany taking on Stony Brook. Um, Albany comes into this game as the eight, not the eight, and they come into this game at eight and 12 on the season, the 258th ranked team in the hot tip of rankings, though Stony Brook five and seven on the season, the 256th ranked team. So teams are very similarly matched, you know, only two ranking slots um, off from each other. But um, Stony Brook has struggled shooting the ball this season, you know, only 29.1% from beyond the arc, um, a free throw percentage of 67.8 and an effective field goal percentage of 46.2. Um, Albany, on the other hand, hitting 33.6% of their shots from beyond the arc. Um, hitting 71.7% of their free throws and an effective field goal percentage of 50.5. Um, but I think this mainly um, for this Albany team, what it really comes down to is not turning the ball over. They've done a good job limiting turnovers um, on their possessions so far this season, only turning it over on 17.2% of their possessions. Stony Brook, on their hand, slightly more at 19.8% of theirs, um, turning the ball over. So definitely like Albany um, to get the cover and win that game. And the second game we got for Sunday's card, um, moving into the Big East, we got Butler taking on Xavier. Um, now, the Butler team is kind of a disappointing team this year, coming into this game at 7-12 and 12 on the season, uh, 81st in the hot dead ranking. Xavier, on the other hand, is playing very good basketball um, this season, 11-4 um, and four on the season, 65th in the hot dead rankings. But the Xavier team is a team that is is just playing good basketball on both sides of the ball. 42nd in adjusted offensive efficiency, 79th in adjusted defensive efficiency. And while Butler's not terrible on defense, you know, 85th in adjusted defensive efficiency, so pretty pretty similar. They just have not been great on offense. 180th in adjusted offensive efficiency. Um, and this kind of shows by some of their play on the court. You know, they just haven't shot the ball nearly as well as Butler as Xavier. Um, only in 33.7% of their shots from three. Um, 62.7 from the free throw line, and an effective field percentage of 47.6. Xavier, on the other hand, hitting 35.5% of their shots from three, um, 68.4% from the free throw line, with an effective field goal percentage of 53.7. Um, and I think this kind of comes down to, Xavier's also done a good job not turning the ball over, only turning it over um, 16.4% of their possessions. Butler turned it over on 17.1. And Xavier's doing a good job not or Xavier's also doing a good job pulling down the, the second chance opportunities off the offensive last 27.1% off the rebounding percentage with Butler 25.1%. So like Xavier to cover that spread and close out Sunday's card. Now moving on to Monday, Monday got a pretty small card, only got one game on the card, got a SoCon matchup between Wofford and Samford. Um, now Wofford comes into this game at 13 and eight on the season. Sanford comes in at six and 12 on the season. And Sanford has not been a great basketball team this entire season. Coming to this one, 33rd, not 33rd, 337th in the hot tip at rankings. Wofford, 146th in the hot tip at rankings. 
Um, and Wofford has done a good job shooting the basketball, 35.6% from beyond the arc. Well, Sanford only hitting 28.5% of their shots from beyond the arc. Um, and, you know, a sub-30 three-point percentage is really is not acceptable um, in the modern-day basketball. Um, Wofford also doing a good job hitting free throws, 708 from the free throw line, which isn't great, but it is still better than Sanford's 67.6. Um, and Wofford has just generally shot the ball pretty decently this season, 54.3 effective field goal percentage, while Sanford only an effective field goal percentage of 48.7. One stat that kind of jumps off the board for me for this Wofford team, they've done a good job not turning it over, only turning it over on 19.7% of their possessions, while Sanford turning it over on 21.7% of theirs. Um, and this Wofford team is just generally a better team on, on both sides of the basketball. 121 in adjusted offensive efficiency, 175 in adjusted defensive efficiency. Uh, while Sanford ranks near the back of the pack in both those, 271 in adjusted offensive efficiency, 233 in adjusted defensive efficiency. So I uh, like Wofford to get take care of Sanford in this one, get the cover for our only play on Monday. And that about wraps it up for this week's episode of the Hot Tip Bets podcast. Um, if you haven't already checked out all of the computer model picks up on the website, make sure you head over and do that. Um, we've got horse racing picks up there, you know, with the, the spring meets getting ready to kick off and a lot of them already kicking off. You know, we got some bad weather canceling some horse racing, um, but definitely go take a look at um, some of those races up there. Also got college basketball picks up daily, NBA picks up daily, NHL picks up daily, um, all three of those sports, you know, in full swing ufc picks up every saturday or wednesday depending on when uncle dana schedules a fight <laughs> um and also got a uh, um uh, mlb <laughs> coming up here um in a few weeks you know we had catchers pitchers and catchers report this week so um, getting close to the start of the mlb season um and as always got all the rankings up on the website for all the sports you know got college basketball rankings up there nba rankings nhl rankings right now um, MLB rankings should be dropping as soon as the season starts. Um, and make sure you um, take a look at how all of the picks are doing um, for, you know, the call it there for the computer picks and for the, these podcast, the picks I give out here on the podcast over on the results page on the website. Um, and kind of disappointingly, the college basketball picks, they were doing so good for there for a while. You know, if you would have bet on all of them, you would have been up by like 40 units um, just a couple weeks ago. Unfortunately, February has not been too kind um, to my college basketball picks. So definitely something that I'm probably going to have to tweak out with the rankings here come come the off season. Um, so that way, because that's kind of what happened last year too. We started out very hot in you know November, December, January. Um, but by the time we got to February, the rankings weren't keeping quite up with what was actually happening in college basketball. So we we're getting, getting some spreads that weren't quite accurate. But um, nevertheless, the picks have turned around a little bit. So go take a look at all of the, those picks up on the website. Um, and finally, if you're not following um, me on Twitter and Instagram, make sure you do that. Hot Tip Bets Chris on both platforms. Make sure you're following the Hot Tip Bets account. You know, Twitter at Hot Tip Bets, Instagram at Hot Tip Bets, um, Facebook also. Um, if, <laughs> make sure you check out the TikTok. Got clips from the podcast up there. So if you don't have time to watch or listen to the whole podcast, you can. Um, here are the clips up on TikTok for individual individual picks for each day. Um, plus YouTube every day um, releasing the um, um, the picks up on the YouTube channel for that given day. So uh, make sure you're subscribed um, and like the videos on YouTube. It definitely helps um, for all of you who are watching the podcast. Um, and that about wraps it up for episode 31 of the Hot Tip Bets podcast. And I'll see you guys all on Tuesday.